civil war an irrepressible conflict that no one could have prevented, least of all President Abraham Lincoln? Or did Lincoln contribute to the start of the war? That's what our guest, William Marvel, will argue with us when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. My music track, track, track from a modem jack, jack, jack plays MP3s, threes, threes, and I download fast, fast, fast. I read the bits, bits, bits on the microchips, chips, chips, and I burn, burn, burn all my favorite hits, hits, hits. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in technology, but parents can help keep them updated. Go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. Attention swimmers, get out of the water. Everybody, out of the water immediately. Dude, is that? It's a pair of thunder thighs. Big ones, too. That mom who's been swimming a lot with her kids must have lost them. Whoa. I heard about this happening once up at Laguna. Small step number 54. Play with your kids. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Looking for answers in real estate? We break it down for you. Each week, the Exeter Group explores how successful investors evaluate and acquire real estate to build their portfolio. From financing tips, tax and accounting strategies, and advice on how to control risk, the Exeter Group entertains and informs while divulging secrets used by the most successful investors. Tune in to the Exeter Group every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio Studio A. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with William Marvel, author of A Place Called Appomattox, which we discussed in our last segment. Before we get into our next uh, segment, I was lamenting the state of my memory and the inability to remember book titles, but with the advent of the artificial memory, also called the Internet, I can tell you the book I was trying to think of is uh, by Kenneth Lockridge, and the title is A New England Town, The First Hundred Years, subtitled to Dedham, Massachusetts, 1636 to 1736. Um, Professor Lockridge, I believe, was at the University of Michigan when I was there, and the girls considered him the equivalent of, of hot, whatever the uh, phrase was in those days. I, I have consciously forgotten that. Um, so, uh, Bill, I, I mentioned in the introduction to this segment, uh, Lincoln and the start of the war. Uh, you've written a book called Mr. Lincoln Goes to War, in in which uh, I, I skimmed this when I was writing my own book on Lincoln, and, and you take the position that uh, the war that Abraham Lincoln made some decisions in the first year of his presidency 
that uh, that, that contributed uh, to the to the war breaking out that he might have done otherwise. Uh, is that a fair summary? Well, um, I certainly uh, think he uh, he contributed in the early weeks of his presidency to uh, to the coming of the war, and uh, and in the uh, in the course of his presidency in the first oh fourteen months or so, he uh, yes he uh, interfered in in such manners that uh, I think the war went on quite a bit longer than it would have. Well, what what about those first weeks? There, there's a. Uh, it, it's certainly a, a, a plastic moment in, in, in American history. I, things could have gone so many different directions. Um, yeah, where, did, where did he go wrong, as you see it? The, there are those who would argue that there was uh, no other way uh, for things to turn out, that uh, Lincoln had no other choice. Uh, and that I categorically deny. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't profess to um, know that he... Uh, that he uh, should have provoked hostilities uh, or that the Union uh, had to be saved. But I do question whether uh, either of those statements are, are true. And, uh, and I think that uh, at the time, certainly, uh, his, uh, his view was, uh, well, it wasn't a minority view in the North, but uh, it was becoming such by by uh, the middle and end of March of 1861. Uh, There were uh, Republican editors all over the country uh, finally um, asserting that it was was time to uh, recognize that the the South is organized as a a, uh, nation and uh, and to let them go, uh, including Lincoln's own hometown newspaper. And uh, I think that problem that was the um, he, he being such a nationalist uh, that was the outcome that he was not um, willing to uh, see happen even though he had said he would not uh, he would not provoke a fight and and I think that um, the evidence that he decided to provoke a fight uh, comes in the timing of his decision um, March 28th was the day that the uh, the extra session of the Senate finally adjourned. Uh, he had no congressional oversight. He could finally act with a free hand. And that was when he uh, appears to have decided that uh, it was time to send a relief expedition to to Charleston, uh, which he, he had every reason to believe would provoke hostilities. Uh, he had sent um, his own uh, emissaries, uh, both uh, privately and otherwise, to uh, South Carolina to uh, to ask of the citizens they knew there, and uh, it was clear that there would be a fight if uh, if the sovereignty of South Carolina was interfered with, and yet he he did that. Uh, there is there is another uh, element that plays into it, namely uh, Seward's. Uh, background uh, discussions with the uh, Confederate commissioners, uh, whom he essentially promised that Fort Sumter would be evacuated. And that that heightened the South Carolinians' uh, sense of betrayal, and, uh, and, and that obviously wasn't 
uh, Lincoln's fault at all. But nonetheless, uh, even aside from that, I think he had uh, I think he had full right to expect that uh, his relief expedition would start the shooting, and I think he hoped for that. In fact, uh, he uh, later wrote to uh, Augustus Fox, I believe it was, and said that uh, uh, even though the expedition was a failure, the outcome was all that we could have hoped for. He must have been thinking back to the Star of the West incident uh, in January before he came to Washington when uh, a South Carolina battery fired on a ship going into Fort Sumter, and suddenly everyone uh, of all uh, political stripes was indignant and, if not ready for war, uh, at least understood why everyone else was. And uh, I, I think he uh, hoped to resurrect that feeling. Well, I was thinking of the Star of the West as you were talking and, and thinking that there was an example where, where war is not provoked, where you right. get you, you get indignation, but you don't right. get a war, and you certainly don't get a war on the scale uh, of the one that follows Sumter. Right. Um, the, the, Lincoln, as I see it, did not understand the Southern temper particularly well in the first months of the war. Uh, he was, uh, perhaps due to his own nationalism, was, was quite convinced, it seems to me, that the great mass of the Southern public was not secessionist and that they had been deluded by the, the leaders of the South. And it would not take too much to... To, to trigger the mystic cords of memory and bring people back into the fold. Could he have perhaps thought that, that a conflict at Sumter would, would have that effect? Well, um, I, I suspect that he did hope that. Um, I mean, that was part of, that was part of the expectation mm-hmm. that, uh, that everyone, including the border states, for instance, would, uh, would be so indignant uh, at the... Uh, uh, at South Carolina, or in this case, the Confederacy. By uh, April, you're, you have the Confederacy there, not uh, just the South Carolina government. Um, and he, his misunderstanding of the uh, extent of Southern loyalty continues through the war. I mean, by December, his State of the Union address in 1863, he's uh, he's offering the 10 percent solution, expecting that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was wrong again. Um, he, he, but um, yes. that uh, that misunderstanding, uh, which is, is obvious, uh, is uh, is nonetheless uh, no excuse to uh, relieve him of the responsibility of having uh, started the conflict, or at well, least provoked the conflict that was waiting to be started at the first match. Yeah, I, I suppose that that's the. Uh uh one one can dispute there the the assignment of responsibility as you point out if if one party assembles uh the, the tinder and, and and gets everything ready for a single match and then uh someone else intentionally or inadvertently drops the match uh how do you apportion the blame there uh to say one party solely started it hardly seems fair uh, to say of either party right well i i recognize that um nonetheless you have to judge your own president um, on the basis of his actions, um, given the circumstances. And uh, and if a president um, provokes a fight where one is not necessarily inevitable, 
for a purpose that not everyone uh, concurs in, uh, then then there's uh, some room for blame, I think. Um, that's not to say that I, uh, I'm a detractor of Lincoln particularly. I still find him a, uh, an enormously sympathetic character. But uh, I think we've, uh, I think since the uh, apotheosis of April of 65, uh, we have tended to, uh, to treat him uh, far too gently. And uh, perhaps the, uh, the result of that has been uh, further gentle treatment of his successors. It's, it's interesting. It, it, several things come to mind. Um, on the one hand, if we, if we just took a, a, a soundbite of your comment uh, when a president uh, you know, undertakes actions and provokes a war where one has not existed, uh, you, know, you have to be judged on those terms. Um, if somebody were listening to this without knowing we were talking about Lincoln, they might think you were discussing uh, events today in Iraq. Uh, well, I think that's uh, somewhat comparable, um, but there are, I mean, there was uh, McKinley in 1898. Um, no war was necessary there. Um, Although McKinley fought against the war. Uh, yes, but public Congress wanted uh, a war. Public, public wanted a war. Pardon? What Wall Street wanted a war. The public wanted a war. Right. Actually, Wall Street did not want a war. I take it back. I'm saying it backwards. Uh, the public it, wanted one. Yes, and and William Randolph Hearst. Hearst wanted one. Yes. But um, but McKinley uh, was the one who asked for the resolution. He ultimately did. He he he, he lost uh, politically there and yes. went ahead. Um, the other thing uh, that strikes me is your comment about the apotheosis of Lincoln and and this. Um, I, I think it's a very accurate observation on your part that, that Lincoln has been treated so uh, gently, as you put it, by biographers and, and historians generally since 1865 that it becomes difficult to criticize him uh, without, uh, without falling into the camp of those who criticize him from the lunatic fringe. And there are some anti-Lincoln books out there oh, today sure. that are, are, you know, ahistorical in their approach. Uh, so you really find yourself, I imagine, in in a difficult uh, position when you undertake to write serious criticism of something Lincoln has done, without wanting to be put in the crackpot file. Well, in one radio interview, I was uh, I was somewhat taken aback to be uh, to be asked uh, if my viewpoint was not essentially neo-Confederate. That was a bit of a shock, but uh, I, I, um, I can understand where a historical dilettante would put those two uh, uh, those two facts together. Well, I, I, I confess the first time I, I saw your your book with Lincoln in the title, uh, my immediate response was, "Oh, here's another De Lorenzo guy." Um, and I, I try not to use that name in public because he sells too many books as it is. Uh, and as the late Philip Paladin once said, uh, his, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, Phil did. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. He he was very ill, and uh, uh, last August uh, his life ended. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, it, it's uh, it is too bad. Um, but he, uh, he he once described those books as, as uh, subtracting from the sum of human knowledge. Uh, they, they were so bad. Well, that's true. But uh, Phil himself engaged in a uh, 
somewhat rancorous debate with a fellow named John Rosenberg about 35 years ago in Civil War history um, over uh, Rosenberg's uh, basically questioning the same thing I'm questioning now. Was the war necessary? Um, one of the things he asked was, would it be worth 600,000 lives to prevent the partition of Canada, for instance? And Phil didn't answer the question directly. He said, well, uh, the partition of Canada had nothing to do with it, uh, our situation in 1861. Uh, he, he didn't answer, is it worth it? And, you know, the Canadians have come close to separation that not only would have cut the country in, in two, but in three sections on several uh, occasions, and there's been no no talk of violence there. No, uh, no. Uh, uh, Harry Stout's book, um, uh, Alter Upon the Altar of the Nation, makes the argument similarly that the war was unnecessary. But in his epilogue, he then backtracks, pulls his punches, and says, "Oh, but it did free the slaves, so I guess it was all okay." Well, which is why I think his book is, is so fatally flawed. But but um, it didn't free the slaves. Uh, 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 except nominally. I mean, you, well, I don't know how old you are, but when I was growing up, um, I, I spent my first uh, five years in the South, and uh, I remember being snaked out of the colored bathroom uh, as I started in by my mother. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's the beginning of real freedom uh, for black Americans didn't begin until about the 1960s. Uh, and in that century, I suspect there would have been um, uh, perhaps another, another means way of ending it. Well, it's a compelling argument. I always am sorry when we run out of time on this show, and never more than today, because uh, this is really interesting. Um, hopefully, we can do this again sometime. Uh, but Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it's my pleasure. And listeners, you'll want to read uh, Mr. Lincoln Goes to War or A Place Called Appomattox and look forward to the completion of the four-volume history of the war uh, that Bill is working on. Volume 2 comes out in June. Oh, there's something to look forward to right there. So, uh, Bill, thank you. And listeners, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.